can we just agree that as a society, we are drawn in by people's wild experiences and stories. We might not like to admit it, but when we get home at night, we love to jump on our phone or turn on the TV and see some crazy encounter that took place during the day. If you do a search for real life experiences on YouTube, you're gonna find thousands of videos with millions of hits and they're gonna range from items like ghost stories to stories of taxi drivers in New York City to stories of people that were pronounced dead and brought back to life. If you look at the way that we've taken in television the last couple decades, reality TV has dominated the airwaves. Why? Because we love a good story. We see this in the way that people watch movies as well. One of the more popular movies over the last few decades is a film called Apollo 13. And Apollo 13, if you haven't seen it, it's where the famous line, Houston, we have a problem. It comes from that because it's the real life story of a NASA space expedition that's gone horribly wrong. It's acted out by the likes of Tom Hanks, Kevin Bacon, Ed Harris. It grossed over $355 million when it originally came out. Why? Because we are fascinated by the story. Most of us probably know of what happened on that mission where an oxygen tank exploded on the spaceship and these men were stranded, these astronauts were stranded in space and had to miraculously make their way back to Earth. So the majority of us know their story, but fewer of us know their mission. Their original mission was quite simple. They were just going to check out a crater that was on the Earth side of the moon and up into the point where the oxygen tank exploded, NASA said that the expedition was going incredibly well. It had been one of their more smooth takeoffs and transitions into space that they had had to this point before everything went wrong. We know their story, but fewer of us understand their mission. If I've never had the opportunity to meet you before, my name's Casey and I am the high school pastor here and I've got the opportunity to kick off a brand new series called The Birth of a Movement where we're going to be walking through the book of Acts and we're gonna be taking it step by step. This week specifically, if I had to title what we're about to get into, I would title it Understanding the Mission because what we're about to see is Jesus' last earthly conversation with his apostles. And he gives them a mission. And he gives us a mission that we are supposed to continue to live out today. So if you've got your Bibles, and I hope you do, we're gonna be in Acts 1. So if you're looking for it, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts is gonna be the very next chapter that you're gonna find. It's penned by Luke, and he's gonna open us up by recounting a lot of the things that happened in Jesus' in Jesus's ministry. So, Acts 1, verse 1 says this. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking to them about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, 
but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So here's what's presented in these first five verses. Jesus is at the tail end of his earthly ministry. Luke addresses Theophilus, which just simply translates to lovers of God, and he's laying out for them all that's been documented about Jesus's ministry and his teaching, but also his time back with the apostles and back on earth after the resurrection. Luke's also beginning to lay out the role that the Holy Spirit is going to play in these apostles' lives and the role the Holy Spirit's gonna play in the birth of the early church. So the crux of where we're gonna be this morning continues in verse six. So let's dive into it. Verse six says this. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to him, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The proclamation and the challenge that Jesus gives to his apostles here is clear. There was going to be a time to go be his witnesses all across the globe. If you just read one more verse in verse nine, it speaks of Jesus's ascension back into heaven. This is the end of his earthly ministry and he has left his apostles with a mission. And that mission's quite clear as they were challenged and called to go share the gospel and to be the early church. We are sitting here today in 2021 because these men over 2,000 years ago understood the mission. They understood what Jesus had called them to do. Many of us know the stories of the apostles and this is a great one. This is a great moment and experience of their last time with Jesus and a lot of us know of the stories and tales of Jesus' ministry in the gospels fewer of us understand the mission. Because in this mission that was given to the apostles, there's one that's laid out for you and I as well. We are called to be his witnesses. Nothing more and nothing less. A lot of us know the story, fewer of us understand the mission. My prayer and my hope is that by the time we leave here today and we head out to continue the beginning of a brand new week, we'll understand the mission that has been laid out for us. So would you guys pray with me? Father, we thank you for an opportunity just to gather together. And Lord, thinking back to what the early church might have even looked like, it, it's crazy to think about where we are here in 2021 and so much has changed and yet the mission has stayed the same. God, you've placed the specific calling on each of our lives. Doesn't matter where we've been or what we've been through. God, you have equipped us to carry out your mission of being witnesses for Jesus. Father, as we dive into your word deeper today, I pray that we would walk out of here with a better understanding of what that mission looks like and how it applies to each of our lives. 
Lord, be with us and bless our time. And I pray that not only is your name glorified, but we would walk out of here today in unity, knowing the mission that we've been called to. Father, we love you and we thank you. It's your name we pray, amen. All right, so let's dive in. Here's what we know about our mission. We see it laid out for the apostles. Here's what we know about our mission. First thing is this, our mission has been clarified. Our mission's been clarified. Look back with me to verse one. It says this, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Verse two even continues and it says this, he had given commands through the Holy Spirit. There is no part of our mission that exists apart from Jesus. There's no part of this mission that we've been called to as Christ followers that exists without Jesus. It doesn't happen. Jesus isn't leaving us with anything that he didn't already example. He showed us what it's supposed to look like. If we just flip back to the Gospels in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we're gonna find details of Jesus' ministry of what this looks like, what it looks like to love people, what it looks like to listen to others, what it looks like to share the Gospel. We don't have to come up with this crazy formula of what it's supposed to look like. Jesus modeled it. He modeled it for the apostles, and we get it because of Scripture. We see what it looks like. Jesus even clarifies the time for him. Look at verse four. It says this, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. He's getting ready to send them around the globe, but it wasn't time at that very moment. So a mission isn't a mission unless there's clarification on what's supposed to happen. Otherwise, you're just kind of living life, right? So we can look back to that Apollo 13 example of their mission was to go to a crater on the Earth's side of the moon. That was what their mission was. When the oxygen tank exploded, their mission was to get home and to stay alive, right? You and I have missions every single day, whether we think about it or not. These are just clarified things that we've laid out in life. For instance, every single Saturday, about 10.30 in the morning, I go on a mission. That mission is to the grocery store, all right? I know what my goal is. I have clarified what I'm gonna get, how I'm gonna get there. We're going aisle one to aisle three, skipping to aisle seven, getting over to 13, grabbing some gum at the checkout counter, and we're out. 15 minutes, I'm in and I'm out. Clarifying the mission. So, clearly, routine-oriented, you can understand my dismay when I walked into the grocery store last week and they had rearranged the entire store. All of a sudden, my mission is just to stay alive, right? I've just gotta find where everything is. I've just, I've gotta go aisle by aisle. 45 minutes I'm in there looking for the items I wanna get. I walk out with more than I anticipated to get and a bigger bill than I was anticipated to pay, right? because the mission all of a sudden wasn't clarified. I didn't know what I was looking for anymore. I was just trying to get what I thought I needed and get out. Jesus provides clarity as in what we're called to do. These apostles took what they learned and they continued his work 
by building the early church. We see that through the rest of the book of Acts as we're going to get to dive in together the next few weeks, but we see it take place in course throughout the entire New Testament. That work is to be continued until Jesus comes again. So that work doesn't stop when these pages end. That work has been and will continue to need to be built upon until Jesus comes again. That's why it's our mission here at North Star to help people find their way home. When Larry says that, we're not just coming up with a fun slogan, that is our mission. It's to help people find their way home, to take that next step of faith. Why? Because the mission's gotta be continued. Jesus clarified it so that we would continue it. Thankfully, that's not all there is. We've been given the blueprint, but then there's a part that we play in it, and it's this. Our mission requires focus. Our mission requires focus. If you guys would look back with me to verse six, the apostle said this. So when, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel. These apostles were ready for Israel to be restored here on earth and in the coming kingdom. So they're ready not to be ruled by anybody else at this point. There had been moments, if you look back into the gospels, where they're kind of questioning Jesus. They're poking and prodding, trying to figure out if he is who he says he is. That's not necessarily what they're doing right here, but they wanna know when right? They're ready to know, okay, is this the moment? Is this what you're talking about? Is Israel going to be fully restored? They're thinking back to an old prophecy, and we can find it in Jeremiah 3.18. This prophecy talked about restoration that was to come. That's what they thought all of this was about. But I love Jesus's response in verse 7. He says this, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons. The apostles were focused on the future, but Jesus wanted their minds and their hearts focused on the present. Because he was getting ready to introduce them to something that was going to change the world. I love the way the old pastor, Adrian Rogers, puts it. He says this, they wanted to talk about prophecy, but Jesus wanted to talk about proclamation. They were so fired up for what Jesus was going to do, they lost sight of what he wanted to do in the very moment. We have a tendency to do this and live life this way, don't we? We get so ramped up and so focused on what's to come and we get so excited and live in anticipation of these things that are going to play out in our lives, we miss the moment. We miss today. Today we're not worried about, we're more concerned about what's gonna take place next week. Let's be honest, this is one of our favorite hobbies as human beings. Working with students, I see this every single year. If you have been through high school and you've completed it, you lived it, this is a term that will live until Jesus comes back and the term is this, senioritis. We all experienced it, right? If you have a senior at home, I've got 
maybe bad news or good news. I don't know what home life looks like. They're ready to go. You might be ready for them to go. They live in anticipation of what's to come. They're ready for the next step. But then you get to the next step, whether it be college or a part-time job, and it's fun for a little bit, and then I'm ready for the next thing, and then I'm ready for the next thing, and then I'm ready for the, we continually are living and looking ahead and missing the moment. Ladies and gentlemen, you'll never get today back. This stage of life that you find yourself in whether you're in high school or you're in your 60s or 70s, you'll never get this stage of life back that you're in today. And Jesus has placed you, you have been brought to this area and to this moment surrounded by these people at work, in your home, your friends. You've been placed around them for a purpose and for a moment Don't miss it. Don't find yourself looking too far ahead where you miss the opportunity that Jesus has presented for you today. We're not always looking ahead to bad things. What these apostles were looking ahead for was a great thing. It's the restoration of Israel. Jesus wanted their hearts and their minds focused on today. So how do we do that? It's quite simple in principle, but we, we know it's a lot harder in application. We spend time in the word, we pray for a focused heart, and we realize that time's precious and that we're never going to get today back. It's really easy to think about that from an application perspective. It's a lot harder to live out once we get into our day-by-day lives and life begins to speed up on us again. The good news for you and I is that we're not meant to attempt any of this on our own. Our mission has been enabled by the Spirit. Our mission has been enabled by the Spirit. Verse five said this, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Jesus is laying out what that's gonna look like, but then he continues the thought in verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. To this point in history, in this moment in Acts, the Spirit had not yet come to everyone who had faith in God. The Spirit came to empower people at different times for different moments. But the Spirit began to indwell permanently permanently in believers after the church is officially born in Acts. The work of these apostles didn't begin until it was time for the Holy Spirit to indwell in their hearts. They weren't meant to go and try to start the early church and try to go do all of these things on their own. The beautiful thing is neither are we. The same power of the Holy Spirit that's mentioned here in Acts that we're gonna continue to read about through the rest of this book and through the rest of the New Testament is the same power of the Holy Spirit that resides in you and I if we have faith in Jesus. 
His power hasn't diminished, it hasn't changed, it is the same power. So as believers, we shouldn't fear moving forward because the Holy Spirit is within us. We've got nothing to fear. You're not moving forward by yourself. You're not trying to figure out life alone. We've been enabled, and quite frankly, we've been strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Why does that matter? Because with the power of the Holy Spirit within you, you can make a difference in somebody's life. You're not underqualified. Your life hasn't held you back from that. If you have the power of the Holy Spirit within you because you have faith in Christ, you can make a difference in somebody's life. You can be the witness somebody so desperately needs. You can be the witness that completely changes the trajectory of somebody's life. Not through what just you can do, but through what the Holy Spirit can do within you. So we've been enabled by the Spirit. So this is, this is where we find ourselves, and it's at this. Our mission involves us all. There is no sitting this one out. There is no staying at home. There is no somebody else is gonna figure this out before I do. This mission that Jesus leaves the apostles with involves every single one of us. He says this at the end of verse eight. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You're not gonna just be witnesses. You're gonna be my witnesses. And then he goes on to list four different places. These four places that Jesus mentions aren't random points on a map. They aren't accidents. These weren't just on the top of his mind. The places that he lists for the apostles are intentional. Jerusalem's their home. That's what they know. This is also where Jesus was executed. Just a month or two prior, Jesus was crucified on a cross in Jerusalem. He tells them to begin there. And then he mentions Judea which was their local community. We could think of it kind of like our Cobb or Paulding, right? They completely rejected the ministry of Jesus. So these aren't just safe havens that Jesus is calling them to, right? They're not just going to places that, oh man, I know it's gonna work out there. He's called them to two local places that both rejected him. Samaria, we know from the gospels, was not a popular place for Jews. They saw it as, um, man, a community full of half-breeds, people that had intermarried, that weren't true to their faith. We saw this by the way they responded to the woman at the well. They were not fond of going to Samaria, and yet Jesus calls them there. And then he calls them to the ends of the earth. These are unknown Gentiles in a far off place. When you and I think about doing foreign missions and, and going to communities that we, 
we have no concept of and that we don't understand, this is what he's calling them to. To places they didn't even know existed. Jesus isn't just telling them to go there. He's not telling them to just hang out. He's called them there to be his witnesses. Now, witness is not a, a term that is foreign to you or I. In fact, if we look at the court system, eyewitnesses play and have played a, a big role in some cases that are popular for good reasons and popular for some not so good reasons because of the role of, of eyewitnesses. When an eyewitness steps into court, their job is to give an account for what they've seen and they go in and they swear on a Bible to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Most likely, these witnesses haven't taken any law classes. They may be unaware of what the role of a judge is or who the defense attorney is or who the prosecutor is. Their sole role in the proceeding is to truthfully recount what they've experienced and what they've seen. A false witness is considered perjury. It can ruin an entire case. The sole job of the witness is to recount what they have experienced. Nothing more and nothing less. We've been called to be witnesses as Christ followers. So what's that mean? Recount what you've experienced. Recount and tell others about what God has done in your life. Nothing more and nothing less. Your story is not meant to be my story. And my story is not meant to be yours. God has taken you through things. He has shaped you. He has molded you. You have walked through moments in life that maybe have never made sense before. But God saw you through it. And you've got the opportunity to be a witness for Jesus and tell somebody else about how he did it. This isn't an optional assignment. This isn't something that just fits our calendar. This isn't something that we go, man, that's gonna work out really well and I'll be happy to do that in just a few years. We're called to be his witnesses today, ladies and gentlemen. To truthfully recount what we've experienced. Nothing more and nothing less. We have a tendency to disqualify ourselves before ever entering into the arena. We decided we don't know enough, that we've got a, a lack of knowledge about scripture and so therefore God couldn't use us. We think our past might define us and, and deter others from wanting to listen to our story. Truthfully recount what you've experienced. That's what our mission is, to be his witnesses. That's why you've been placed here. That's why you're still breathing. 
is to live this out. If we understand this mission as a church, God only knows what this community could look like. We're here today because a few guys a thousand years ago understood what Jesus was calling them to. My prayer is that this church and many other churches across our community are still here a thousand years from now because you and I understood what Jesus was calling us to, the mission of being his witnesses, truthfully recounting what he's done in your life, nothing more and nothing less. You could be the person that changes somebody's life. We've gotta understand the mission that's been placed in front of us. Would you pray with me? Father, this story isn't just meant to be a great story or, or a really neat experience to recount. Father, this story was left for us so that we would understand the mission, so that we would have an understanding of what you've called us to, to be witnesses for Jesus, to tell others about what you've done in our lives. And yeah, we've screwed up along the way. And yet we don't know as much as we hope to or we feel like we should. But you've changed our hearts. You've changed our lives. And our job is to tell others of that. Father, as we head out into a brand new week and, and on the cusp of a brand new year with local schools getting ready to kick off, Father, I pray that we understand our mission. Father, that we wouldn't walk out trying to accomplish it on our own merit, but because of the Holy Spirit that indwells within us, we would go tell others about what you've done in our lives. Father, strengthen our hearts, give courage to our speech and to our actions and allow us to live out the purpose that you've placed us here for and to continue the work that began thousands of years ago. Father, may we do this to glorify you. It's in your precious and holy and wonderful name that we pray, amen.